Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History puddle. Bang! Tie game with five seconds remaining. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle bunch. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. Welcome to the Full Slate Week 6 Sunday Scaries Pod. I'm your co-host, Cody Darwick, joined by my brother out in Chicago, Tyler Darwick. Tyler, happy Sunday. Happy Sunday. Uh, 49ers moved to 5-0, and so that's always good. I'm 4-0 in our Pick'em Pod uh, games we discussed this week, so it's a good Sunday for me. It's a good Sunday for you. I'll give you that. Own one in your lock, though, um, so there's that. But do we have to start asking if us joining uh, Blue Wire has contributed to the 49ers' success? Like, is there a possible correlation there? I would say there is a direct correlation. Kevin Jones, our fearless leader of Blue Wire, does a 49ers podcast. There's other 49ers podcasts on the Blue Wire network. So I feel like all of that combined is bringing some good mojo to this team. Yeah, what is what is the phrase? Like all, all tides bring rising ships, something like that? I have no idea. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think that's I don't think that's actually the right uh, phrase. I'm pretty sure it's the other way around. But Tyler, we get started every Sunday here. Sunday scariest moment. I will I will let you get started. What was your Sunday scariest moment? Thank you, sir. So my Sunday scariest moment is for the public. So out of the top six games, not including the Chargers, since it's going on right now, we'll talk about it later. But The five that were completed, the biggest public sides against the spread were the Falcons, Cowboys, Chiefs, and Rams, uh, and Seahawks. Those teams were one and four straight up, so bad day for the public. Um, Would you consider us amongst the public? I mean, I was 4-0 today, so am I I sharp now? You know, I think you need a bigger sample size of victories to be considered a sharp. Um, I, I would say I would... Proudly, proudly put us in the public category. Yes, I would. Um, but I think we're public with an added edge in terms of um, we love against the spread trends. We love the weekly analysis. And uh, so I think we're slightly better. Like we were smart enough to know and discuss how much of a trap game this Seattle Browns game was. Now, did you end up winning money on it? Yes, you were one to know. However, I think we have a sharp edge to our public self. The fact that we can be like, I would call spade a spade. This line smells. 
yeah, I'd say we're leaders of the public, but like I said, very rough day for the public and the one that had the most public action. I feel like I keep saying the word public was the Falcons, <laughs> the Falcons minus three at Arizona. 73% were on that game. Um, I mean, I feel like we're going to talk about Dan Quinn every week until he gets fired. It was Hugh Jackson last year was the guy I needed to see get fired. I now have my sights set on Dan Quinn, how he can, <laughs> how the Falcons front office continues to say his job is safe is beyond me. So I saw this tweet um, in 2016, the Falcons, the year they went to the Super Bowl, had the number one offense under Shanahan when he was the coordinator. The Falcons' defense was 26. Now Shanahan's left. He's with the 49ers. Since then, the defense, 28th, 31st, 26th, uh, the past three years, and the offense has dropped <laughs> off. Like Dan Quinn, what we talked about last week, is a defensive guy, and the defense still sucks. They gave up 34 points. So the Cardinals today, they got torn up by Kyler Murray. They lost a heartbreaker. Uh, Matt Bryan obviously misses the extra point that would have tied the game. So that was the biggest public play today, and they lose outright. And Dan Quinn, just his seat continues to get hotter and hotter. Yeah, I'm sad to say I was a member hand up of that 70%. I did sprinkle a little money on the Falcons. To me, this was kind of like a last last ditch effort in terms of well, if the Falcons have any pride and, and love for Dan Quinn, their fearless leader, they're going to show up in Arizona and, and win this game. And obviously they get down big. They do their classic Falcons comeback. Matt Ryan fills up his stat sheet. So everyone continues to think that Matt Ryan's actually like a pretty good quarterback because he probably he had, a, he had a nice fantasy day for all you uh, people out there that own him. Um, but it, it was classic and it did feel right that it actually, at this point, at the time of recording, it's uh, it's eight eight thirty two East Coast time. That was my only loss of the day. Um, it, but it felt right. It felt right that it it came at the hands of the Atlanta Falcons team we've had our issues with in uh, the year plus we've done this podcast. So, yeah, public thoughts and prayers to them. It means uh, the sports books just keep getting richer. Um, I I don't know. I they gotta. Give give some wins to us. <laughs> there are a lot of like bad bad trends or teams I follow, and they always burn me. One thing I feel like I've done a good job of is cleanse myself of this Falcons team. And you just you can't shake them. You tweeted again today that you bet on them, and obviously that didn't work out. So I hope today maybe finally deterred you. I had the same thinking that if they had any I don't want to say respect, but any love for Dan Quinn, any desire to, you know, help him keep his job and turn around the season. They would have came out today and blown out the Cardinals. Like on paper going into the season, Falcons were, you know, when we talked about it, NFC South contenders, bounce back year, Cardinals gonna be a bad team, maybe have a little excitement. But they didn't show that at all. They got down seventeen points. They came back, fell a little short at the end, like yeah, it's just it's, it's fading fast. It's it's every week with them. Uh, they did the same thing versus the Colts. Got off to slow start, storm back. It's it's just it's what they do. And you know sometimes you just have to have that moment where it's like, okay, well if they lose, this will provide me good closure, and I'll never touch this team again. So that's that's what the Falcons did for me today, Tyler. My Sunday scariest moments. Um, so. My lock of the week is the Los Angeles Chargers tonight versus Steelers. Game just started. Uh, Chargers are minus seven. And I, I've tweeted about it this week, but I've actually I've had a good week of gambling. Knock on wood. Um, I am up a bit. I changed my Twitter avatar to the sad picture of Clayton Kershaw in the dugout. And so far, so good. Besides the Falcons at the time of this recording, that's my only loss. But my my scariest moment is the fact that I have this Chargers lock of the week hanging over my head the whole day. Um, I, I would compare it to when you're just like, I don't know, back when we were in college and on Sundays, oftentimes you'd have like maybe a homework assignment or a test the next day, but you want to watch football, right? So I feel like I had this hanging over my head the whole day, just knowing that the Chargers were still out there, that I was procrastinating. And honestly, if, if the Chargers do well, I'll, I'll be in good shape on the week and, and it'll end nicely. And if they don't, um, it'll be, uh, I'll be in the red. Um, so it, it feels right that going into this game, that Devlin Hodges is, is going to be a breakout star more likely than not. 
it's a scary proposition whenever you have to rely on the Chargers. They're so Jekyll and Hyde like we talked about. They made a joke on the Sunday night countdown show. I don't know if you were watching it, that uh, Philip Rivers, his first start back in 2006, and um, where was I going with this? He had, he had two kids then. Now right. he has nine. <laughs> yeah, he had two kids. <laughs> now he has nine, and then they made another joke that his really oldest nice. kid his oldest kid is as old as Hodges. I think that was a joke. Um, yeah, that was a joke. But yeah, it's it, it's shaping up to be a classic. Uh, just Chargers outright loss. I saw a tweet that <laughs> something I something I mentioned to you when you made the pick. Um, if there's about twenty seven thousand seats in the Charger Stadium, they said it seems like two thirds of that was Steelers fans. So people are still coming out to support the Steelers, even if it is the third string quarterback. So that might bite you in the ass on this one. So we'll we'll find out later uh, what happens. Yeah, and literally as as we're recording, <laughs> Phil Rivers just threw a, a sideways pass to Melvin Gordon. That was a fumble, Steelers touchdown. So, uh, yeah, we're we're gonna we're gonna record my lock of the week recap and ours at the end following that game. But in the meantime, let's let's talk about today's slate. And we were excited about it going into the week, and I thought the one o'clock games were lived up to the hype. Let's get started here. Seahawks Browns. We're on opposite sides of this one. Browns closed plus one and a half. Uh, thank you, Tyler, for pointing out that I tweeted out plus two. Um, and Seattle won 32-28. This was like a classic Russell Wilson game in the sense that the Seahawks were just hanging around, and the Browns just repeatedly continue to shoot themselves in the foot. They had four turnovers. Tyler, I know I know this was a trap game. You knew it was a trap game. You stared it straight in the face, and you took it, and you lived to tell the tale. I ran through the fire. I knew it was a trap. Um, it was like Dwight in the office when he's trying to get the manager's job on the hot coals, and he's just screaming at Michael to give him the promotion. <laughs> that, that That's how I felt in this game. I knew it was a trap. Browns got off to hard hot start. It was twenty to six. It felt like they might run away with it, but Baker Mayfield continues to be inconsistent. Throws a really bad interception before halftime in the red zone. Continue continuously. The Browns keep getting penalties. They had another nine today. I know the officiating was as a hot topic after the game, but still, they're so undisciplined. Keep making mistakes. Since Nick Chubb was having a great game, and it felt like they could have just kept giving it to him, and they would have taken over and pulled away, but. They didn't. Seattle pulls one out of their ass on the road. Um, and Russell Wilson, I think, has now probably asserted himself as the leader for MVP. Yeah, it's the Seahawks are the real deal. They're 5-1 and one now. Chris Carson had a great game. And like you said, Mayfield just it, a couple of interceptions, like one went through the wide receiver's hands, right? So that's like not totally on him, but like continues to just force passes unnecessarily. Um for someone who spoke as much as Baker Mayfield did over the offseason, tough, tough look by him. Um, one of my friends, Max Brandstetter, I was talking to him. He's a Browns fan. He was like, if you're looking for a Browns fan take on, on today, uh, just one word, fuck. Um, so that's it's tough, tough if you're a Browns fan. And Freddie Kitchens, like, should we talk about this challenge, the Jarvis Landry challenge, which the, the original ruling was like a touchdown on the field if he fumbled the ball. Um, they they challenge it. They they say that he is down, or basically that it was incomplete, fourth and goal. Um, and but right before they were about to run the play, Chubb was going to walk it in, but Freddie Kitchens throws a challenge flag. Of course, there's no touchdown there. And then they run the play. On, on fourth and goal and Nick Chubb gets stopped just like a very very brown sequence of events and um, I mean they play the Patriots I think they have their bye next week and then they play the Patriots like the road's not getting any easier here for the Browns uh, in the next couple weeks no definitely not and with the bye week it just gives more people time to pile on to Baker Freddie Kitchens and the sequence you mentioned so at that point it was third and goal Nick Chubb was averaging almost seven yards of carry they call a fade play to obj and then they run that weird screen play they end up getting the ball back and scoring but we, like i said it's just inconsistency the there's no maturity on this team the leadership isn't there and you know they're two and four now and the, with the patriots coming up it's getting 
it's getting rough quick uh, for them and for Seattle. I mean, they keep winning. They're five and one. They're three and zero on the road. This is their second uh, win on the East Coast in early game, so they continue to be impressive. Um, but yeah, the Browns are. They're they're a shit show early on uh, with all the hype they had coming in. They kind of put it on themselves, honestly. Yeah, they really did. And like you said, just questionable play calling in the red zone is kind of a continuous theme after getting trounced by the Niners on Monday Night Football, maybe a bounce back spot. And they had their opportunities. I mean, Chubb averages over six yards a carry. You got to give them more than 20 touches uh, out of the backfield. So. Again, Brown's disappointment. Russell Wilson MVP campaign continues. Um, the other premier one o'clock game, Tyler, Texans Chiefs. And I mean, I'll be I'll be the bigger man here. I'll own up and say that I got these two wrong. You got them right. Chiefs were minus four and a half. I thought they were going to turn this thing around here and and get right at home. Um but I think this was a big show-me game for the Texans. Deshaun Watson came in. He's 30-42, 280 yards, a touchdown. He did throw two interceptions, but also ran for two touchdowns. Our boy Carlos Hyde, uh, over 100 and over, uh, he had 116 yards rushing and a touchdown. The Chiefs' defense just continues to let teams walk all over them. Their defense is a problem. Um, the time of possession in this game is staggering. Houston had the ball for 39 minutes, 48 seconds, compared to the Chiefs, 20 minutes and 12 seconds. Houston had 35 first downs compared to the Chiefs, only 20, and they outgamed them by over 170 yards. So, like you said, the Texans did whatever they want. Carlos Hyde had a monster game. And the Texans' pass game is usually a lot of deep plays to uh, DeAndre Hopkins or Will Fuller. Today, they went with a lot of short passes, quick outs, and letting the receivers make plays. It was Basically, the running game took over, and that opened up everything else. So really impressive win for the Texans. I'm a little annoyed at myself. I said on the podcast, uh, <laughs> Texans' money line was an intriguing bet, and I thought they would either get blown out or they would win outright. I didn't take it. I was on the over, so that felt good. But this is a really concerning loss for the Chiefs, I think. you know They got out to the really hot start. They're up 17-3. to after the first quarter at home, and they can't hold on. The defense continues to get gashed. And Mahomes, you know, he played well, 273 yards, three touchdowns. But you could you could see he was pretty hobbled up. So if this offense isn't putting up 30, 35 points a game, they're they're going to lose because that defense is not getting any better. No, the the defense really is is quite the issue here. Um, that over over 54 and a half, I also took it, and it was absolutely cruising through the first half. Uh, the score was 23-17 at the half. Uh, the Texans were up, so I mean you're in great shape there. And actually, was a sweat. Uh, you, luckily, the Texans converted that two point conversion in the fourth quarter uh, to give to give us the win there, but. Sneaky, sneaky, almost a pretty bad beat on that one. Definitely. Um, Yeah, I was sweating it, too, and I was just doing the points in my head. And when they scored the go-ahead touch, I was like, okay, just go. And then I realized they're going to go for two, so that made it a little better. Deshaun threw an awful interception in the red zone towards the end of the third quarter, and it felt like that was kind of the Texans' chance to take the lead and they, you know, they stuck around. The defense played really well after that first quarter. And another stat that's pretty staggering, the Texans ran 83 plays, and the Chiefs only run, ran 47. So, like I said, the Texans were dominating, staying on the field. The Chiefs' defense just couldn't get off. You know, the Chiefs in the offseason traded D4 to the 49ers. They brought in Frank Clark. He hasn't really made an impact. Chris Jones was out today. So, this is... A really bad sign for the Chiefs. You know, when they're playing these lower tier teams, their offense could have their way. But when they're playing the Patriots, which they're going to have to do in the regular season, probably in the playoffs, the Texans, the Ravens, when they're playing these better teams, can they get the stops defensively? And it, it just doesn't appear like they can. Yeah, it's it's really is an issue. And the Texans, for me, like I. Carlos Hyde has had kind of an average start to the season. Uh, they lose Lamar Miller before the season starts. And it, this offensive line for, for the Texans is starting to get into form. And it's really, it is really hard for me to actually fully trust Bill O'Brien. Um, but I mean, they, they 
beat the Falcons pretty impressively last week, put up over 50 points. And this week really was a show me game. And they did. I mean, winning on the road in Arrowhead is no joke at all, especially Andy Reid's had so much success there. Um, yeah, I, uh, I I was impressed. I didn't I thought the Chiefs would win a similar score game, maybe like 38, 31. Uh, but yeah, I think it is something to monitor Mahomes' ankle. He's definitely not a hundred percent, but continues to still like pull these throws out of nowhere that are incredible. Like the long touchdown to Tyree kill. Uh, he's, he's unbelievable. Um, should we, should we talk about another unbelievable quarterback, Tyler? Yeah. I just want to make one quick point. I know where you're going with that, but before we move off this game, like you said, the offense line is continues to improve. Deshaun Watson didn't get sacked today, so I think that shows the offense line is getting better. And if it continues to grow and um, gels as a team, I think they're a serious contender in the AFC. And they have the same record as the Chiefs now, and obviously now they have the head-to-head win. They play the Colts next week in Indy, which will be a huge game for AFC South uh, contention. But Texans are starting to become legit, and I think we mentioned Russell Wilson as the MVP leader. I'd say Deshaun Watson is probably second right behind him. Yeah, I mean, we gave out we gave out that Deshaun Watson pick. I gave it out when we were doing uh, some futures before the year, and kind of the game plan was this. It had a tough a tough schedule to start the year, but that provides moments like this for uh, Watson to step up on the big stage. And even week one versus the Saints, he really held his own, and that was a tough loss for them. But I agree. This The AFC is, besides the Patriots, it's absolutely wide open. I think the Chiefs continue to regress here. Um, so we shall see what happens with the Texans. But, yeah, back, Tyler, back to my flawless segue. Um, speaking of incredible quarterbacks, take two. Uh, Tyler, Kirk Cousins is, is fully back, I think. He had, he had four touchdowns today, 333 yards. He did throw one interception, but his drama with Stephon Diggs, at least for a week, is in the rearview mirror. Diggs had 167 yards, three touchdowns of his own, and we spoke about it on the Pick'em Pod, but this Eagles rush defense is really solid, but their pass defense had given up the fourth most uh, yardage in the league, and they got exploited 38 to 20 very impressive win for the Minnesota Vikings here and, and an easy cover for us. It was impressive. I'll give Kirk Cousins some credit. I wouldn't say he's fully back. I don't know what he's back to. I don't think he ever arrived, uh, but they're ne- through their next four games are on the road versus good teams. So we'll see how he plays. If he continues to play like he did today, I'll have to eat my, eat my previous words about him and continue to give him credit. And he played great today. The interception, uh, I didn't see the highlight, but from what I heard, it was kind of bad luck. Hit off Diggs' hands and went to the defender. So mm-hmm. he played great. The Eagles' pass defense, like you mentioned, is a huge question mark. They've been mentioned uh, in rumors of getting Jalen Ramsey. I don't know if Jalen Ramsey is going to be on the move. It seems like the owner of the Jags doesn't want to do that. But if they end up do trading him, the Eagles seem like a prime landing spot for him. Their pass defense is awful. Diggs tore them up today. Some of those long touchdowns, he was just wide open. Um, So impressive game for the Vikings. Seems like all the tension in the locker room from a couple weeks is dying down a bit. Uh, The Vikings Twitter account had some fun tweeting out a weak link (laughs) with uh, Kirk Cousins' stat line today. So Minnesota's feeling themselves a little bit, and I guess, you know, it's a good... Good day for Kirk Cousins. Yeah, I mean this. He has his uh, he has his well documented issues against teams with winning records. The Eagles did come in at three and two, and uh, they did they took care of business. I mean, Eagles team they they beat the lowly Jets last week with Luke Falk as a starting quarterback. The week before that, they beat the Packers at Lambeau, so they came in with a little bit of momentum and. This, this was impressive, and again, the biggest thing here for me is just the Vikings' defense continues to be really strong, um, and we'll give them a shot to be a real, I think, a real threat in the NFC if Kirk Cousins can just be above average. But I want to talk about the NFC East, Tyler. So the Jets, sorry, the Jets. So the Eagles are 3-3 three and three now. The Cowboys have lost three straight. They lost the Jets. Sammy Darnold's back and uh, has given them a little bit of life there. And the Giants are only a game back of those two teams. From where we were a couple weeks ago with the Cowboys, in my mind, like as one of the class uh, teams of, of the NFC to where we are now, are we like, am I overreacting or are these 
I think all these teams, like, I think nine and seven is going to win this division. It's how it feels every year, right? Like the AFC, the NFC East, sorry, is always so hit or miss. We talked about it on the preview pods. They've had a different winner every year uh, for the last, I think, 10 or 12 years. It's just, you don't know what you're getting every year. So it does feel like nine and seven, maybe 10 and six wins that division. Eagles Cowboys is next week on Sunday night. So that'll go a far way in determining things. But I, th- I thought the Cowboys would come in today and just like handle the Jets. They lost two in a row. This was an easy, not this was an easy game coming into it. The Jets hadn't won. I know Darnold was back, but this is a game. If you're going to be a contender, you have to win. It was Jerry Jones' birthday, and they still lost. Mm-hmm. Um, so Skip Bayless is freaking out. The rest of the Cowboys contingency should be freaking <laughs> out. Um, like at this point, where do you stand with you know the whole Dak extension thing? Yeah, I mean, I. I still think you gotta you gotta pay him because at the end of the day he is a top half of the league starting quarterback and that just comes with the position. But all he he had all the uh, he had all the power in the world in that negotiation three weeks ago and that that feels really long time ago at this point. Um, I I still think you gotta pay him. Jerry Jones is going to pay him unless this like really implodes. I think I. Th- do think the Cowboys are the better team in terms of them versus Eagles next weekend will be very interesting to watch, but I mean, the Cowboys haven't given us much, but I, I don't know. There's just something about this Eagles team that feels like it's missing. Like I, I, I don't, I don't know if I can trust Carson Wentz. Like I, I, I think uh, Dak is more of a gamer Wentz to me. It just seems like he, like his numbers were decent today. He had, He's 26 of 40, 306 yards, two touchdowns, interception, but I don't know. And Doug Peterson's play calling at the end of the first half. Tyler, did you see what happened there? With the fake field goal, right? Yeah, it was it was 24-10. It was they were basically on like the it was about a 35-yard field goal attempt, I believe. They do the fake field the fake uh fake field goal pass, which I guess Doug Peterson's never played Madden before. That play never works. Um, and it didn't work there. And it seemed like an easy way to like basically cut your losses, be down 24, 13 at the half. And you well know, Tyler, the Philly special from a couple years ago and how he's kind of a rough rider, but that, that didn't make, that didn't make sense to me. Like just take the points. Um, so I don't know. I, I, there's something about Doug Peterson. I think he may be losing his edge a little bit here. I completely agree. I think, you know, they won the Super Bowl and they won a playoff game last year, so it's hard to be critical of him. But I think in some scenarios, he feels himself a little too much. He takes on this, you know, gambler mentality, go for it on fourth down, do these crazy plays. It's like in that scenario, just take the points. You weren't close enough where if you do the fake, you're going to score a touchdown, like relying on your kicker to throw versus a well-coached team on the road. Like take the points. They ended up scoring uh, the first touchdown, the second half to cut it to seven. Like just, you know, when you're on the road in that situation versus a good defense, I think you take the points. You don't want to get too cute. It just, it just doesn't make sense to me. Um, and I'm going back to the Cowboys jets game, Cody, I'm going to say something a little crazy. Uh, so the jet, <laughs> the jets won. Uh, so they're one in four. Have you looked at their schedule? If our book publishes odds on teams to make the playoffs this week, I think the Jets are worth taking a look at, it, what, depending on what their value is. Tyler, um, hold on. I will pull this up as we speak. I have not looked. But I was thinking that watching that game, I was like, mm, Darnold's pretty good. Robbie Anderson's a solid wide receiver. Again, Le'Veon, Le'Veon's a nice back. Uh, okay, Jets schedule. Well, well, they play the Pats next week on Monday Night Football, so that's a loss. It's, it's home. But yeah, probably a loss. Probably a loss. Um, yeah, then they play the Jags, Miami. Oh wow. Oh my God. Yeah, their schedule is quite favorable for weeks eight through thirteen. Sorry, fourteen. They play the Dolphins twice, the Jaguars, the Giants, the Redskins, and the Raiders. They're Out- just as they're just as good as all those teams with healthy Sam Darnold. Outside of the Patriots, and I would say later in the season um, at the Ravens, like I think all their games left are 
they could be competitive in and potentially win. And who knows what the Ravens, I haven't been super impressed with them the last couple of weeks. And people at home, people in the car listening to this right now might be thinking, Tyler, you're crazy. They're I'll probably you a- spitting out their coffee as we speak. Yeah, that was that was my hot take for the week. But think about this. Last year, the Colts were 1-5 through six weeks, and they turned it around, made the playoffs. They won 9 out of 10. I don't know if this Jets seems as good, but there is potential with that sixth seed in the AFC for a team just to get hot, and they're going to be playing a lot of the teams ahead of them. The Raiders right now are the sixth seed. I don't expect that to stay. So if we're looking for a value pick, if you're looking for a future, you know, you want to get – you you know wet your beak on a future right now i would look at the jets playoff odds i don't know what they'll be but i think it's just something worth taking a look at all right tyler all right. we'll see if you uh if you put your money where your mouth is invest a little bit on that one i'm intrigued by this um i am i'm not gonna lie but that was such a hot take i think we're gonna take a quick little break here and have a few words from our sponsors when you're selling online getting your orders out can be a real pain That's why you need ShipStation.com. It's the fastest, easiest, most affordable way to manage and ship your orders. No matter where you're selling, Amazon, Etsy, your own website, ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface. ShipStation helps you get orders out quickly, save money on shipping costs, and keep your customers happy. And right now, Blue Wire listeners can try ShipStation free for 60 days when you use promo code BLUE. There's absolutely no risk. You can start your free trial without even entering your credit card info. ShipStation works with all the major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, UPS, even Amazon Fulfillment. So you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. Just visit ShipStation.com. Click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in blue. That's ShipStation.com, then enter promo code blue. ShipStation.com, make ship happen. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves saying things like, I lost my mojo, or we avoid it altogether with excuses like, I had a long day at work, or sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about. With a real doctor who can prescribe real medication, it's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. The doctor will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to roman.com slash bluewire and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a doctor and take care of it. Just go to getroman.com slash bluewire to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's getroman.com slash bluewire for a free visit to get started. Getroman.com slash bluewire. All right, and now it's 10.17 Central Time, 11.17 Eastern Time. (laughs) Chargers just lost outright to the Steelers. Cody, are you going to apologize for making me uh, stay up later to watch that game? I I don't even know. I I feel truly disheveled. I think we started this podcast last September. Uh, We've been going a little over a year now. And I think as I was watching this game and... You know, um, Devlin Hodges throws the pick. The Chargers come down. They make it 24-10. And I'm like, just just put us out of our misery. Let us let us record this thing an hour earlier. Uh, I had obviously the lock of the week was done early, uh, but I had the Chargers in the little teaser with the Patriots. Um, the live money line was was ripe, so I hopped on that early. And um, the thing is. I, sitting on my couch, just w- slowly watching this Chargers team, Anthony Lynn not use the timeouts at all, uh, letting the clock bleed down. Um, I, I, I truly feel like I experienced the full Sunday scaries. Um, and, and this is why we do this podcast, right? The content for the listeners, it's 1119. And, and the whole time I'm just thinking to myself, Philip Rivers, 
we've all been through this same song and dance again. Anthony Lynn can't get this team hyped up for anything. When we were recording earlier and I saw how the, how the Steelers scored their first touchdown on just a bad pass from Phillip Rivers through behind Melvin Gordon, Steelers picked it up, ran it back for a touchdown. I, I knew this. I knew exactly how the script goes with the Chargers. Jekyll and Hyde. Um, I, I liked them in the bounce back angle. And, and you know what? This is turning into a soliloquy of true Sunday scaries. And... And this is what it's like to gamble on the NFL. This right here, this feeling, and uh, and I'm officially I'm done. I think I am done. We've said it before. I'm done with the Titans. Um, Falcons cross them off as well. And and let's add the the I want to call them San Diego Chargers, but they don't deserve that. They're the L.A. Chargers. They're absolute garbage. They're two and four. I'm happy because I took their wins under before the season, so I have that solace. But this team is disgusting, pathetic. They don't show up, and they didn't deserve to win this game tonight, Tyler. And um, I'm crushed. (laughs) That was a long soliloquy. I didn't hear. I'm sorry, Tyler, but it's okay. They, they are just such a joke, like you said. The way the game started with the fumble, uh, Steelers get the touchdown. Just right there, you knew it was done and is over. And a game where they have to win. They've had a lot of – a lot of their losses have been versus teams that, on paper, they're better than and they should win. But Anthony Lynn doesn't inspire any confidence in that team. And I am so sick of watching the Chargers play. And every time Phillip Rivers, the play clock – is down to like two seconds he's like screaming slapping his hands trying to get the playoff they finally do and he throws like a two-yard dump off to austin eckler i'm just i'm i'm so done watching them i'm so done stop with the dump offs when you're down by 21 points it's better to just throw the ball away or hopefully throw the ball downfield get a pass interference and how many good receivers how many screen passes are we going to throw here um Austin Eckler had three for 14. Melvin Gordon had three for 30. It felt like they each had like 10 receptions late in this game. And just the way the way this all went down is just so perfect where they were just kind of drag us along, drag us along, drag us along. Just kind of like dangling the feather out in front of us. And we just couldn't couldn't help but uh, continue to be tickled by it. We couldn't just walk away. Um, so, yeah, the. Chargers are done. They're terrible. Uh, I am now four and two on my locks of the week, and uh, this one stings because it was largely a good week otherwise. But the Chargers just again Sunday scaries encapsulated for for anyone who had uh, money on the Chargers. Yeah. So that stat I said earlier in the pod, the top six public favorites. Uh, Went one and five straight up uh, today, so that is a brutal day for the public. And some a last note on the Chargers game, which also will lead into my lock of the week recap with the 49ers-Rams game. Football in L.A. is a joke. In this game, the stadium, I said earlier, was probably two-thirds Steelers fans. I think it was like 85%. I stepped away from the TV for a second to get something from my room, and I the Chargers had the ball. I heard a loud reaction. I came back in. I assumed something good happened with the Chargers, and it was a T.J. Watts sack. It continues to be amazing how L.A. does not catch on to these teams, and it's year three there for these teams, and it's not growing. It's a really bad look for the NFL, especially with the Chargers, like, the way, you know, the 49ers are obviously in California, so that makes a little more sense. But the Steelers are on their third string quarterback, and they're still taking over a stadium in L.A. It's embarrassing look for the league and the Chargers, and it's just, it's bad. Yeah, they they stink. But one quick note on the Steelers here. Congrats, Devlin Hodges. You win your first career start. I felt like he was just... NBC was taunting me. They're showing me clips of him uh, doing like duck calls. He's like a he's a champion uh, duck caller, whatever the hell that means. So they're they're showing that for 30 seconds. I'm like, what what have I done to deserve this? Um, so okay, Tyler, your lock of the week recap. It's a knowing two week for the pod. We were cruising along, feeling feeling hot, uh, but the 49ers defense is too good. 
Yeah, so I lost my lock was the over in the 49ers-Rams game, 50 and a half. And it's a weird feeling because I like winning the locks of the week and giving out winners to listeners. But I'd be lying to say I wasn't happy the way the 49ers... I wouldn't be happy with the way the 49ers defense played. They absolutely dominated. Um, You know, the Rams came out on that first drive, ran it eight straight times right down the 49ers' throat. And I was concerned as a 49er fan. I was like, "Uh uh-oh, this looks like this might be bad is the 49ers defense not as good as advertised but the rest of the game they were unreal the Rams were 0 for 13 combined on third and fourth downs uh Jared Goff was 13 and 24 for 78 yards the 49ers held the Rams 157 total yards and the crazy thing is they with four minutes left in the first half I distinctly remember Mark Schleier saying the Rams already had 100 rushing yards they finished the game with 109 total so 49ers really took over that game. They made clutch stops, and, you know, they're 5-0, and so I lost a lock of the week, but the 49ers playing that well is a nice consolation. Yeah, it was it was wild. Like you said, the first drive was so easy for the Rams, and then they just got totally locked down after that. Only 165 total yards of offense for the Rams at home. In 20-7, to it, it could have been more. Um Jimmy G threw a bad pick in the red zone um, and the 49ers squandered some opportunities uh, on the Rams side of the field in terms of settling for field goals instead of touchdowns. But all in all, an unbelievable win for the 49ers. They go to five and oh and like looking at their next three games, they're at Washington next week and will be in attendance. Then they have Carolina at home and then I believe it's at Arizona. So it's uh it's shaping up to be a really nice start to the season for the 49ers their schedule does get harder later in the year but the defense continues to be unreal and i saw uh, kyle shanahan let robert sala take the post-game press conference uh which is pretty rare that that happens um so that was thought that was cool by him and the 49ers covered as an outright dog plus three and a half cover and a win um so we gave out that pick and we we uh, were like, hey, uh, this is definitely a homer pick, FYI, but uh, it was a winner. Yeah, I'm glad we didn't fanboy out too much. I had some confidence in that them covering, them winning outright. I wasn't so sure on, but it feels nice. And for the Rams, I mean, they gave Jared Goff that extension, what, is like right before the season started. And mm-hmm. I... I felt myself kind of defending. I was like, you know, he's good. The Super Bowl was a fluke. But in that Saints-NFC championship game, he showed a lot of mo- like good mo- flashes, and they were down early in that game. He brought them back. But he's been really shaky this year, especially the last three games. And I saw this tweet that he's in year one of this four-year deal. He's a $10 million cap hit this season. Next year's $36 million, And then the next two years, it's over 30 So they're stuck with him for a while. And... Not the best time uh, for him to be cratering at the beginning of a new deal and how that's going to affect the rest of their roster construction. I mean, he looked super rattled in this game. Like we said, they had the first drive where they scored, but they ran the ball every play. And then the rest of the game, I mean, he gets like real happy feet in the pocket. Even when the 49ers weren't blitzing and maybe not even getting a ton of pressure, you could tell he's nervous and he missed on a couple easy throws. And it was at the end of the game and the game was decided, but he had Gerald Everett wide open down the field for a touchdown, just completely overthrew him. So if I was a Rams fan, I'd be really worried about how Goff has looked. Gurley didn't play today. Um, He seems like he's dealing with something. The defense, they played decently well today but they're not at the same level they used to be i mean the 49ers are playing uh their backup left and right tackles and aaron donald got one sack but they weren't getting a ton of pressure so it's kind of concerning as a rams fan or if you are a rams fan i'm not i'm i'm personally <laughs> at, not concerned as, as a rams fan huh truth uh, comes it's, out it's, at uh, at 10 t- oh it's so late 10 28 central time well at an hour tyler because that's how time zone works so i don't want to hear you complaining out there um you, you you knew i was out of town this weekend so i'm running i'm not running 100 oh. but uh Going back oh. to the earlier point, the 49 the, the stadium was dominantly 49 predominantly 49er fans, especially as the game went on, Rams fans started to leave. So that was pretty awesome to see. Um, but let's get away from you know 49er fanboying out, and let's get to our grandpa Billy's bum of the week. I'll let you get started. 
Sure. And I think real quick, one one last note on Goff. Like he played great, I thought, in the towards the end of that uh Seattle game. Zerline misses a field goal and kinda changes the narrative, right? They're three and two instead of four and one. But he made some big time throws in that game. And the 49ers, they just locked him up. So he looked he looked helpless in the pocket. But yes, Grandpa Billy's bum of the week. Let's wrap this pod up. But Tyler, I think we maybe should think about renaming uh, Grandpa Billy's Bum of the Week. We're not going to get rid of it. So it's going to be Grandpa Billy's Bum of the Week presented by Clayton Kershaw just on a rolling weekly basis. I think we have to. Last week, he was my Grandpa Billy's Bum of the Week. This past week, uh, he basically blows Game 5 of the NLCS, gives up two home runs in the eighth inning to Rendon and Soto, and just, again, looks... Looks how I looked on my couch uh, watching the Chargers lose tonight. <laughs> um, he He's a train wreck. So that's – what are your thoughts on that proposed name change, Grandpa Billy's Bum of the Week, presented by Clayton Kershaw? We could try to work it in. At first, I thought you were suggesting changing the name overall. No, I was like, wow, that's, no, that's a real no, dig. But, no. yeah, it, it was great seeing Kershaw collapse like that again in the playoffs. It, nothing brings me more joy as a sports fan than seeing it. I mean, he came in in the seventh, struck out Adam Eden. He's getting pumped up. I was like, damn it, Kershaw's about to have, like, a great playoff moment. And then, you know, in a blink of an eye, the game was tied. And, you know, the Dodgers are eliminated, and it was pretty stunning. Great regular season. You know, they were the heavy favorites to get out of the NL, and now there's a lot of question marks, I think, moving forward. I couldn't believe it. Full transparency. I fell asleep. Uh, I was very tired and just waking up to a plethora of texts related to, oh, my God, I can't believe this, Clayton Kershaw. And just it was brought me such great joy to check my phone and and see the highlights and see what happened did, but my what were you gonna ask me tally did, did you see the Stephen a clip of him laughing after the cowboys lost today yeah i, that, that, I that's us yeah that's how i feel when <laughs> clayton kershaw has a blow up i'm just so happy i've only one, I guess, Dodger fan in my life, but he doesn't even really care. So I don't get a ton of, uh, I can't really rag on too many people, but that's how I feel whenever I see the Dodgers blow up and especially Kershaw. But who's your Grandpa Billy's bum of the week? So I think we're going to be along a similar lines here um, in terms of going with quarterbacks. I'm going to go with Marcus Mariota. Tyler, uh, they they played the Broncos today in Denver. Uh, Both teams stink, but Mariota just continues to be so pathetic. He was 7 for 18 today, Uh, 63 yards, two interceptions, was sacked three times. The fact that this guy is still starting quarterback, he got bench for Ryan Tannehill. Who knows what they're going to be doing going forward. But he's my grandpa Billy's bum of the week. This game was unwatchable. You tweeted it out that is setting back football. Um, I, the Tennessee Titans, just a, an abomination. Uh, Todd joined us, gave them out as his lock of the week. So we were 0-3 as, as, as a podcast. Uh, so Marcus Mariota just continuing to lower the bar. I'm sure next week he won't start, but he'll come into the game in like the second half if uh, Ryan Tannehill stinks it up and tear it up. Like that's just how Marcus Mariota works. Um, so he is my grandpa Billy's bum of the week. It's a good choice. He was going to be part of mine. It doesn't take away from my whole one. I'll get to that in a little bit. But yeah, he's terrible. Um, we took the tight in our pool Todd took them as our lock of the week and like five minutes into that game I was like are we really rooting for Mariota in Denver yeah I uh I want to pull up real quick the Twitter conversation with Todd because I found it very funny and just uh summer genuine it was genuine it was it was very genuine so I tweeted so you tweeted this game is setting the NFL back about 100 years with basically screenshot of Mariota and, and Joe Flacco stats. I said, come on, Titans, do it for Todd. Todd replied, LOL, period, they suck, period. And and, and I tweeted back to him, Tannehill coming in to save the day. He just said, lol. So that's that's everyone who's who uh, touched that Titans game. So they, they're pathetic. I'm not sure why we took them, but we did. So, Tyler, who's your Grandpa Billy's Bum of the Week? And let's wrap this bad boy up so we can go to sleep. (laughs) So, my Grandpa Billy's Bum of the Week, uh, the number one quarterback who's taken ahead of Mario. 
out in his draft class, our boy Jameis Winston. A brutal day across the pond for Jameis. He had five picks, fumbled twice, lost one. Um, just an all just an all-time Jameis game, and it was beautiful waking up early this morning um, and having football on and seeing Jameis, uh, you know, those just continuous notifications that is an interception, a fumble, um, a really great Jameis game. And he, he really made a great quote um, after the game. He said, sometimes I do want to do great things, but you can do great things but protect the team at the same time. Just, just a really sad quote to read. He has the most turnovers in the NFL since he entered with 86 in the past five seasons, which is an outstanding number. Um, considering he's like, I feel like he, he was suspended last year. I feel like he hasn't played all <laughs> games he can. So he's just brutal. Um, and then just overall, you know, you said Mariota. Those were the two QBs taken, one and two coming out that year. And there's a heavy debate. Yep. Who's going to be better? Both of these guys are going to be franchise quarterbacks, can miss prospects. And now we're both sitting, you know, in their fifth years. And it looks like both of them will be on different teams next year. Uh, Mariota should be a backup. I imagine someone will try to reclimate Jameis once again because you get tantalized by the talent he has in some games. But my God, those those guys are terrible. It, it, I just Jameis makes me happy when I see him throwing so many interceptions. Like the same way where he's an exciting red zone watch once every like four weeks. Like, I have a birthday once every four years. Jameis will put together, like, an adorable Jameis performance, like, once every four weeks. But then you mostly just get this with him, where he throws five interceptions, but also has 400 yards. Uh, Like, that's that's just Jameis Winston in a nutshell. I I love that turnover stat um, because he he really has. He's been a mix of banged up and suspended. Uh, But when he plays, he makes the most of his time out there. Uh, whether it's a memorable touchdown pass or just a, an awful interception. So, yeah, thoughts and prayers to those two quarterbacks because they're headed uh, for a backup role come the beginning of next year, I think. Um, Tyler, I think I think that wraps up a Sunday Scaries pod. And this one, it just felt real. The Sunday Scaries were real this week. Yeah, just one more note on those two guys. Uh, Charles Robinson, who's an... NFL analyst for Yahoo, really funny tweet. He said, Titans just benched Marcus Mariota for Ryan Tannehill. Banner day for all that time I wasted on the Jameis Winston versus Marcus Mariota draft dilemma back in 2015. So tough day for anyone who, uh, I guess, backed any of the, either of those guys because they're both disappointments and are going to be backups. Um, our, our Jameis will probably be the star of the XFL in a couple years. Yeah, I mean, whatever team he's on, I think is I'll just bet the over in that game, whatever, wherever he ends up. He'll either light it up offensively or just turn the ball over three to four times and give give up some easy points. Yep. And so I think that's all we got for tonight's <laughs> yeah. Sunday scare. Yeah, we're, Cody is Cody's delusional. Um, so we're gonna wrap it up and we'll release another pod on Wednesday. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.